Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Excited to be here with you, Bob. You've had some time on vacation out with friends. Man, did you have a good time? did, man. Austin, Texas, we stayed on the lake and a uh, beautiful house, got a chance to swim in the lake, ski, uh, inner tube swim, you know, eat good food, all those kinds of things. And the interesting fact, we stayed on Lake Travis. And if you have ever seen the movie Spy Kids, the house that the kids, I guess, come out of or escape from is actually on Lake Travis. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so my my oldest daughter was like super pumped about that when the boat guide told us about that. So took yeah. pictures and all that kind of stuff. So Spy Kids. There Spy you go. Kids, Lake Travis. What's the best thing you ate as a Yelp elite? <laughs> I would say the breakfast taco that I had from Taqueria, Guadalajara, just north of Lake Travis, probably about six minutes. How did, it, um, how did that compare taco. to the breakfast taco that we had in Houston at Brothers? Oh man, I, I would say it's it's pretty it's pretty close. It's kind of similar. I, I think the nod probably goes to Taqueria Guadalajara in mm. in Lake Travis because their refried beans were just stellar. Okay, stellar. So really good stuff. Okay, good man, good. Was your vacation modified in any way because of COVID restrictions? Yeah, you know we wore masks wherever we went. Um, Texas is uh, right now having an upswing in their new diagnosis, uh, new cases diagnosed. Yeah, we there was a little concern. I think that there were some public, big public places that we avoided when we went to a couple shops down on. Uh, South Congress, which is that's where the vibe happens down there in Austin, Texas. Austin's strange, you know, they like to keep everything weird. And so we had to go down there and, you know, pick up t-shirts and shoot a couple pictures, that sort of thing. So a lot of the stores were closed or they they had the doors locked. You could go in, but you'd have to sit outside, put on your mask, and then they would let you in. So, Do you find yourself like any symptom you get wondering if you have COVID? Oh, yes, absolutely, man. So yesterday we were flying back in the airport. And this is the thing, like, this is the first time I've been on an airplane in since March, since everything shut down, right? And so, yeah, you, you're conscious. So I was sitting in the airport and I was just like exhausted from vacationing. And I was kind of feeling kind of sore from being in the lake and, you know, inner tubing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, have I got COVID now? Like, I just had those body aches, you know? Yep. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then... Dude, like some people, the, the there are folks on the airplane that just refuse to wear the mask and they will just not do it. And they'll, there was a lady behind my wife and daughter and they, she was coughing and hacking and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't hear it because I had my headphones in watching a movie, but yeah, it's a little, little nerve wracking and a uh, little tense. So yeah, we showered I, off and uh, took all our vitamins when we got home. Uh, I find myself, no matter, like if I get a headache, if, if something feels sore, if I, feel a dryness in my throat. I'm like, Oh, I got COVID. It's, it's here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. I will probably all eventually get it, but Hey, continuing to last week, we talked about self-awareness and the importance of being self-aware as a leader, as a pastor, as a replanter, as a man of God. I, I, I really think self-awareness is one of the most valuable things you can ever get. And so a part of that 
one of the things that you and I have been working in tandem on for a long time, you've written on it with Mark Halleck uh, in Am I a Replanter? And we work with NAM on the Am I a Replanter conferences and developing assessment processes is how, how do we become self-aware of how we measure up for what it takes to be a replanter. And so we have come to 13 characteristics that we feel are essential for an effective replanter. And so rather than trying to cover 13 characteristics in their entirety in one episode, what I'd like to do is today, I wanna introduce kind of in four dimensions of leadership, as Ken Blanchard would call it, or four pillars or however, whatever wording you want to use, four areas and categories, distinctions of these characteristics. And just talk about those a little bit. And then over time, we'll have some other episodes in between. I'd like to do one episode on each of the characteristics and and talk through those just to help us have a better understanding of what those essential characteristics are, how to determine whether we have them and how to uh, grow on them. Love it. Let's do it. So before we can talk about the four areas or categories, I, I think we would be mistaken to not talk about the foundation that has to be built before we can get to any of that. And that is the biblical qualifications of a pastor. So a replanter is a pastor, and there are biblical qualifications laid out for that. I, I don't want to dive too deep into those on this podcast for a couple of reasons. One, uh, that's a subject that is talked about a lot, written about a lot, and there are plenty of ways. And uh, you could, if you pick up Replant Roadmap by Mark Halleck, he does a good job of walking through those. But also know that there are a couple of those that people interpret differently in different ways. And, and, and so I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to tell you how to interpret those, but I think before you even look at any of these, you ought to look at those passages that talk about the biblical qualifications, but on top of the biblical qualifications come four categories that I'm stealing these categories from. I don't know who came up with it originally. I know Ken Blanchard talks about it in servant leadership. I know, uh, I think Tim Keller talks about it some, and some others have used these phrases. Even Halleck in Replant Roadmap talks about head, hands, and heart. He doesn't talk about the habits part. It's an easy way, digestible way to really look at these in head, heart, hands, and habits. You know, we need those categories to remind us of the function of our thinking, uh, of our, our convictional for the heart, and then uh, the outworking of our ministry. So if you look at revitalization and replanting resources, most of them are, are probably focusing on what we might call hands ministry. Like this, you're, this is what you do. This is how you do things. This is, this is the, the inner workings of conducting a meeting or evaluating a service or evaluating the trajectory, the history. So those are kind of those are doing kinds of things and replanting is much more than just having the right skill set or using the right techniques or programs. There's a whole part of it that encompasses who we are, what we believe, what we're, what our convictions are, what we're thinking and what the Lord's doing in our lives. What I want to do, I'm going to talk with you, Bob, just about and listeners. So we've got head, heart, hands, habits. So start with head. This is how a, this is the leadership assumptions and methods. This is the way you as a leader think about leadership. 
strategically and think about leadership. And so we've got three three characteristics in this category. Uh, one is really kind of two characteristics put together, visionary shepherd. Uh, and so you've got to think as a pastor and as a replanter, as a visionary, and you also have to think at the same time as a shepherd. Uh, and so this is how you think as a leader. You also have to have something called organizational awareness, which we'll go into further, but the short version is understanding the personality quirks and nuances of your church as an organization and its role in the culture that it resides in. Uh, and so there, as a leader, you have to have that mentality to think through things and through organizational awareness and tactical patience, which is also kind of two things. Um, and so it's, it's being tactical and strategic in what you do, but also in the timing of how you do it. And, and so those are some of the things through thinking as a leader. Yeah. You know, the thoughts that we have as a leader are critical in impacting the way we approach ministry and the way we think about ourselves, um, the way we relate to people. And so I, I, one of the things I love about hanging around you, Jimbo, is, uh, is just watching you read a room and read people. And, and I learn a lot from the way you do that. You know, you walk into a room and, and you'll kind of get the temperature. So that might be some organizational awareness, right? Some emotional intelligence, which we'll get into in, in the heart area, but, um, which is mostly about self. But as a leader, we've got to be thinking correctly all the time. And I, I, I'd love to hear your opinion, because I think some of us are thinkers, some of us are feelers, right? Mm -hmm. And some of us are motivated by thoughts and analysis mm -hmm. and observation. Others are motivated by um, passion and compassion and empathy uh, and a sense of justice and those sorts of things. And so as a leader, you're probably going to navigate to one of those categories, one of those lanes uh, a little more than others. And you just need to be aware of that. And you also need to understand how that's going to impact your ministry and the way you relate to people. Yeah. One of the ways that I've been kind of playing around with even thinking about how to develop in each of these characteristics is, so this one I'm stealing from the Air Force. So the Air Force and their leadership model, call it the PITO model. They say every, every, they say leadership is built in this way, personal, interpersonal, team, organizationally, and that all those are interdependent and, and kind of, or, or successional. They, they all develop off of each other. And so if you go to an Air Force Academy, that's, I mean, year one, your primary focus is on personal leadership and leading yourself well and all the values and characteristics of what it means to be a good airman. And then year two, you're still developing personally. You never stop that. But now you're a wingman and you come alongside and you help somebody a year underneath you. Uh, and then mm -hmm. year three, you start to lead a team of wingmen who are leading others. And then eventually you make it to organizational leadership. And so one of the ways I've been thinking through this is, in every one of these characteristics, we need to grow personally. We need to grow interpersonally. And this is really that Second Timothy 2 to uh, entrust to men who can then teach to other men how, like, this is that generational, how we pass this down biblically. So I'm saying all I'll say to answer your question, I think we have to be self-aware of the ways that we naturally think about things. And then I think we have to be intentional about growing 
in at least the ability to think in other ways because we best lead by looking at things from different perspectives. And I, I know that the way that God has wired me, I'm naturally going to feel things and intuit things. Uh, but I've had to teach myself how to be more analytical and, and, but also lean on others that are more analytical. And so, um, so yeah, I think like we talked about with self-awareness, we need to know where our natural inclinations are and we need to lean in on that because God designed you that way. God designed you to lead that way, but that can't be to the neglect of other perspectives and other ways of seeing things. And so it's really helpful to hear from. So I think that's where there's such a value in building teams that are well balanced and, and asking the guy who sees the world entirely differently than you, Hey, how do you see this? Um, mm-hmm. And then hearing and learning from him. Completely. Yeah, that, and that's the misnomer for uh, young leaders. And I, I think I suffered from this when I was a, a much younger person. Uh, I have to be aces in all of these, right? And the reality is I'm not going to be. And when I can learn where I'm, my strengths exist and where my weaknesses exist, then I'm able to lean on others, which makes me a better leader, a better teammate. Uh, and it also puts me in a position where I can have more humility and, and let the Lord work through me. So head is the way that we think about leadership as a visionary shepherd with organizational awareness and tactical patience. But the heart behind what we do that really makes us not CEOs, that makes us not uh, just bosses of a nonprofit organization, uh, but the, the heart that really allows us to think as a shepherd and a heart, heart that really allows us to lead as a visionary shepherd in a biblical way uh, has to be uh, with, with, a, with a heart behind what God desires this to be. And so in heart, we have gospel orientation, Uh, meaning that we understand that everything we do is about the gospel and informed by the gospel for the advancement of the gospel. Uh, Everything, everything we do, the way we do announcements, the way we handle conflict, the way we think as a visionary shepherd, the way that we deal with others, the way that we preach, the way everything has to be thought in that way with gospel orientation. But we also have to have in our heart a missional focus. There has to be a focus and a desire for us to be on mission and to empower the church to be on mission for advancing the gospel. This gives us a kingdom mindset rather uh, of, of, of the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God, not our own kingdom. This is why I put these, I believe in the heart. This is why I think these, I believe these belong in the heart category because at the heart of this really is the question, am I building my kingdom or God's kingdom? And having a gospel orientation and, an, and a missional focus will allow us to do that well. And the, the third one would be emotional intelligence. Um, emotional intelligence, part of that is that self-awareness piece. Part of that is a social awareness of understanding what's going on around us, being able to read a room a little bit. Um, and then it's also self-control, which, which is at the heart what it means to walk in a spirit, right? Self-control is part of the fruit of the spirit. And I I believe emotional intelligence really is fruit of the spirit. If you look at the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those really all come out of the idea of being emotionally intelligent, emotional regulation, self-regulation, self-awareness, social awareness. So those are the three main that go underneath that one. We have an optional one. If you're married underneath heart is spousal perseverance because your heart has to understand one. Uh, I, I, I have to serve well at home. I have to lead well at home. We've got to be a unit. We got to be together that God made us a one. He made us an us. And so if God made us an us and not just a me, then that means us have been called. We have been called to this ministry. And if your wife is not on board or God has not wired her in a way that she could persevere through the difficulties of replanting, this is an essential characteristic. You, you, you will not do well, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how skilled you are, you can't come out on the other side of this thing, a success. If you and your wife aren't on the same page together about this. So that's why that is that optional one underneath heart. I think so. The, the, the replanters that we see that last beyond that critical third year in the third married this is one of those characteristics that's a differentiator. Their spouse is like, we keep going, right? So I think it, multiple times in our replant experience, year three and four, I was, man, I was toast. I was tired. I was beat up from the battle. And I would come back home and just check it against my you know, wife to say, you know, this has been really hard. Do we keep going, right? And and uh, every time she was like, yeah, we just got to keep going. We keep going. We keep going. And, and I, don't, I don't say that in terms of me doubting my call, but, but it's one of those things with, with a spouse who's a sounding board and a, and a helper and a companion. Um, she's what she can see things that I don't see. She can determine is this, are we at a point where this is uh, detrimental to us and our kids and our family? And there are some, there are some situations where uh, we have seen replanters. They just need to get out of there, right? Because it is a bad situation. Um, a lot of times they're on the, they're on the uh, precipice of breaking through. And so if the perseverance isn't there in their spouse, sometimes that'll get shortcut and, and folks will bail out right before a breakthrough happens. And so if we've got replanters out there listening, you're in your three, four, five, and it's just really hard. Um, and hang in there. If, if, if you're not being destroyed by the work and doing the work of God is not destroying the work of God in you, then keep going and just realize that you have to persevere for a long time. This is a five to seven year journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So that takes me to the next category of hands where this is really almost kind of a work ethic based category uh, in the sense of how you go about uh, the work of ministry. And, and the calling that you've been given. And so part of that is, so that also comes with three characteristics, pastoral grit, uh, which was formerly uh, capacity for suffering um, or, or those sorts of things. This is really that word in, and I think of the word in James uh, one, where it talks about steadfastness. It's this ability, uh, like you just said, to keep going knowing that this is what God has called you to. It's, a, it's not just the ability to suffer. It's the ability to continue to lead well in the work of ministry while suffering, because that's going to happen. If you replant, you will suffer. 
And pastoral grit is that ability to just not in your own power, not pull yourself up by your bootstraps, white knuckle it, uh, but white knuckle it on, on the word of God and on the calling of God. Uh, that's what you're white knuckling and, and just holding on to the fact that this is what God has called you to do. And, and so you keep going in pastoral grit, but there also is a, uh, hands aspect, work ethic aspect of initiative. Um, you can't just be reactive. You have to be proactive. This goes back to when we talked about self-awareness that there are some personalities that are naturally reactive and there are some personalities that are naturally proactive. Now, both of those have their place in time, but when you're going into a dead and dying church, they are probably riddled with apathy and complacency. And so you have to be a catalyst of change. You have to be a catalyst of mission and of, and of movement. And so you have to be an initiator. So if you're a personality that is more reactive than proactive, then this is a hands aspect. You're going to have to really work on and ask the Lord to help you with so that you can be one who initiates things and gets things moving. The third one would be resourceful generalist. So not only is there going to be the apathy and complacency that requires initiative, but there are going to be a lot of holes that need to be filled and a lot of things that need to be done. And you're not going to be able to staff them. And you may not even be able to plug those holes with volunteers at first. And you're mm -hmm. going to have to at first be able to learn how to do all sorts of things you never would have thought you would have to do. And so you got to be able to jump in on those things and get the ball moving. As a replanter, and this was the hardest thing for me, coming from a larger church to a, to a normative-sized church, um, as a youth pastor, I developed a lot of uh, resourcefulness. Because when you're a youth pastor, you do a lot of different things. But it is much more difficult. And guys, you don't hear this is said, but you don't hear this said very often. It is much more taxing and much more difficult in terms of what it costs you leading a normative sized church than leading at a large church, because you don't have the support and you don't have all of the staff members. You don't have the custodial crew. You don't have all the administration and the finance and all those sorts of things. You just don't have that. So you, you, in essence, you and the volunteers have to do it, but you've got to, you've got to initiate that and you've got to have enough awareness of it to make sure it's headed in the right direction. All right. So the last one is habits. So these are the continual habitual processes of how you interact with others as a leader, as a visionary shepherd. This builds on to all those things. This supports all of those things. Uh, and so we have three characteristics here as well. Affinity for multi-generational ministry. The, the large majority of churches that need to be replanted are going to be full of older generations and you've got to be able to lead well and hear and value and empower and equip those senior adults, those older generations, as well as bring in and lead younger generations and not to the neglect of the older generation, right? So each, each all the generations have to be heard, valued, represented, and a part of the process. So you can't just make a cool hip young church that old people attend and you can't just make a traditional old church that young people attend 
you have to figure out how to lead uh, multi-generationally and connect those generations in discipleship relationships. You also have to have respect for the church's legacy and history. You're not coming in and blowing up everything that's ever happened. You're building up on top of something. Mm-hmm. You're building on top of a history and a legacy of gospel work that needs to be honored. Yes, there probably is conflict. There probably is maybe some ministry failures. There's probably some things that need to be repented of, and those things should be repented of. But I guarantee you, there is a legacy. There is a reason that church started that was gospel-focused, hopefully. And, and you can find some things to build on top of, and you gotta have you got to build that into your habits as a leader consistently. That's not just in the beginning. You need to consistently be building back on. Best way to replant a church is figure out why it was planted in the first place and replant mm-hmm. it for that same reason. Yeah. And then the lastly is a willingness to confront. And this has got to be a habit that you continually call out sin in the camp in a loving and gentle way, that you continually confront people who want to hijack the vision, who want to bully, who want to uh, operate through the works of the flesh instead of the fruit of the spirit. Those things have to be confronted in a biblical way. And so those are some of the habits of a re- replanter. I love the way um, that you know, the, these lanes have developed in terms of head, heart, hands, and habits that will really kind of help us explore these 13 characteristics and, and unpack them. This is a helpful categorization in my mind. I, I think it's going to help the discussion move forward in, in ways that people can really have some good handles on it. Yeah, and I think understand that these are just the essential characteristics. There are so many supporting ways to think through each of these. And so stick with us. We're going to dive through each of these 13 characteristics a little further. And we'd love to hear whatever questions, comments you have about it as well. Contact us. Let us know. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.